Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. The love of God, that past, present, and future love, he's loved us in eternity past. God loves us in eternity present, and he loves us now in eternity future. Why do I say that? I say that because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, if God could only love in present time, how could he have died for our sin? How could he? God transcends time, so therefore on the cross, God knew you and me. Name, action, every heartbreak, every sin. He knew all of us. At that moment, he paid for us individually. Isn't that incredible? So the love of God transcends time, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And everybody knows, everybody pretty much knows this story, but one of the things we're going to look at this morning is this overwhelming Joy, sorry, this morning's joy. Look at there, I've already thrown myself all, uh, all, we're in joy today. Apologize, again, it threw me off last week. We're gonna look at joy. By the way, the love is the same thing. I just got you head started on next week, amen? But the joy of the Lord, we know what scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord. Now, this is what I'm gonna tell you this morning. When you wanna know what the joy of the Lord is, I will tell you what it is. I can even represent that in the sense of myself this morning. Why am I joyful today? It is because yesterday marked a one-year anniversary? No. I have actually no joy in that celebration yesterday of her life in my own personal heart. As a matter of fact, I'm struggling with great grief still. Great. I'm struggling with the battle to allow myself to sit and to go to dark places, even mentally and depressed and those things. But I know the joy of the Lord. And what we're gonna see today is the joy of the Lord transcends, meaning goes beyond the circumstances of the moment. The joy of the Lord that we know in Christ, the joy that God brought us through Jesus Christ, is a joy that is not, when it is biblical, is not hinged on external circumstances. It's based on the love of God that transcends all time, that transcends everything, barriers of uh, ethnicity. But hey, a person that you can't even speak to because they speak a completely different language. You know what universal language you can speak? The joy of the Lord. You might not ever have one word that you can say together, but I've dealt with people like that before. And you know what's interesting? When you have joy, that is something that you can, if nothing else, you sit there and giggle together, right? You laugh. It's, it's very frustrating when you can't communicate with someone, but the beauty of what Christ did for us is ushered in the ability to have joy unspeakable. And we're going to see actually in the scripture this morning in Luke 2, 8 through 11, about the very presenting of this when it happens in the first moment in history that true joy 
was able to be shared. Uh, go ahead and stand if you're physically able this morning for Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. In the same regions, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for the rich treasure, God, of us being able to read your word. Lord, the beauty of what was being proclaimed in these verses this morning. Father, thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you would bring each and every one of us to a greater level of awe and wonder at the beauty of everything, the advent, the coming of Jesus Christ as our Messiah meant to us. God, I pray that during this Advent season, we will reflect like never before. We will have joy unspeakable, Father, because of the hope of salvation, the hope of the good news, the gospel. Father, hide me behind the cross today, Lord, so that you may move in hearts as only you can. May you alone be glorified. We ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 8 again. It's in the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields, keeping watch at night over their flocks. Now I want you to think about that part right there. And you stop. Let's just pause. Let's pause time at that moment. What is there to be joyful about? I'm going to cut to the chase, not a whole lot. There was no Messiah. There was a promised Messiah. We had the promise, but there was no Messiah. You're under the law, impossible set of regulations and rules that I can't begin to fathom. Just reading them alone is overwhelming to me, and I didn't even have to know them. So as I read that, I see this impossible place that humankind is in up until this very moment. And until this very moment, the shepherds are hopeless. The Gentiles are absolutely and completely hopeless. And the Jewish people merely have a promise of a coming Messiah that we all know sadly was rejected. That became the capstone, right? Builders are rejected, became the, cap the cornerstone. Praise God this morning. We have hope because God's people rejected that hope. The first thing I want to share with you, though, comes from this. This morning it says, before Jesus Christ's birth, true joy was only a mirage. It's a mirage. It was the same thing as I share with you in Florida. I don't know why that's the best thing in understanding a mirage for me. When you're driving down I-95 or any of the other highways, turnpikes, alligator alley in Florida, there is this proverbial pile of water that stays about 100 yards in front of you, and no matter what you do, you can't catch it. But it's there. Anybody ever seen that? Okay, yeah. And it's, it's a kid... I, I just, I never even talked to my parents about it. I think I should have talked to them about it, but I kept thinking, man, that water moves quick. I didn't understand it as a child. I remember just always seeing it out there. It's a mirage. Joy, at this point in history, was a mirage. It's something that we believe, and as a matter of fact, even more so, joy was merely an emotion. 
What's an emotion? Oh, oh, good. honey, the kids are coming home for, for Christmas. Oh, so, it was so joyful and so happy. Does that actually make you joyful and happy? Well, you enjoy spending time with your children and family. It brings you an emotion, but real joy. Let's say you get a diagnosis of cancer with one of your children. Is that same relatable joy, that same emotion going to be experienced? I would say not. That's going to be... Uh, an enjoyable experience that is overshadowed by this bad diagnosis. See, the joy of the Lord, again, is not hinged upon the external. Same way the love of God, the same way with the hope of God, the same way with the peace of God. It does not or should not be affected by the external because it is from the internal. Where does that come from? What are we going to be talking about over the next year? This inheritance that God's given us as followers of Christ, we are given all of it on day one. We are given the full inheritance as a follower of Jesus Christ on day one. You know what's really sad? We're going to see this. There's some people that don't ever experience some of this inheritance on this side of eternity. Why? Well, what did we talk about? The keys of obedience unlock what's there. But one of the problems that we have is that sometimes we either are ignorant to the fact, we, we, we're, we're ignorant to the fact of the things of obedience and the implications of that obedience, believing that we can engage in attitudes and actions and things that Scripture completely we're in contradiction with, meaning they're not things that we're supposed to be doing, not things that God's word gives us the ability and freedom, but what happens is maybe we hear some preacher on TV, maybe we have a friend that we think is very spiritual, and they explain it to us. So then we hold on to these things that are not biblical, that as a matter of fact are outright sinful, and we believe that there's no issue, but because we have no issue with it, we don't think it's an issue, but we always wonder why in the world can I not get to the next spiritual level? Spiritually speaking, why don't, I, why don't I have the faith that such and such has? Why don't, why don't I have the joy that they have? And why don't I have peace like they have? But yet, if you actually get down to the heart of the matter, there's these things that will 100% completely prevent us from walking in the fullness of Christ, enjoying the good pleasure of this amazing gift that God has given us, this inheritance. Inheritance. How many Christians have you known? That joy? I've known Christians that I have never, ever seen an ounce of joy. I can think back to when I was a child. And some of those people I would like to sit down with now and go, hey, I got a question. Who are you serving? And I'm serious when I say that. Because I believe as a believer, yes, my grandmother was as godly as godly ever got. She battled clinical depression. My mother's mother. I know one thing. My, I called her Mama King. Mama King was one of the most godly women that I have ever known. Mama King battled clinical depression. Did that make Mama King ungodly, unspiritual? Did it make her any less than? No, not at all. We are living in a sin-stained world, amen? 
Was it Mama King's faith wasn't strong enough? Did Mama King not pray enough? I can assure you, I know for a fact my, my grandmother's spiritual prayer walk. I know her Bible reading. And if there's anybody I've ever known in my life that's been in the Bible more, I need to meet them because my grandmother spent all day reading her Bible. She'd sit at the kitchen table and after she'd finished cleaning up and after she, by the way, served everybody and then ate afterwards, not of anybody's doing. That was her own. That was her ministry. And after she got done cleaning up, she'd sit down at that kitchen table and she was in the Bible all day. You said, wait a minute. Uh, I know there were times of extreme joy with Mama King. But I know that she battled. Remember, we're in a sin-stained world. But we get these, I hate to say it, I've heard pastors preach about it. You know, if, you, if you're, you're struggling with depression, then you're just not spiritual enough. You're not praying enough. You're not this and not that. And I, don't, I don't agree with that. Again, I believe we're in a sin-stained world. And when you have gone to all the roots of things that things can be, you've gone to the great physician, where you go next? The physician, amen? Pray about it. Let God lead you somewhere, but don't sit back and allow some of these things that we have culturally allowed to permeate the church walls. Oh no, Christians shouldn't. Have you ever heard anybody say Christians shouldn't take medicine? Anybody ever heard that? I have. I looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? What are you talking about? You got high blood pressure. You going to pray it out? We are in a sin-stained world. And you better be real careful because you're going to take an early home going. Amen? That's not the kind of home going you want to go. You want to take care of yourself. So when you go and you search at the things of life that could be impinging or inheating, uh, impinging or uh, encroaching on the reason that you may not have joy after you have gone to the root of those things. Well, no, Lord, I don't have unrepented sin. There's not things that I have, God, there's not something that I haven't dealt with. I don't have bitterness and unresolved anger with someone. And I, I've gone through this whole litmus test of things and it's not a spiritual issue, Lord. Nothing wrong. Reach out to a physician. Pray about it. Let God lead you to somebody. If the first thing they want to do is throw medicine at you, find a different one. Amen? Oh, me. Amen. Wake up, church. Our redemption draweth nigh. But before Christ's birth, true joy was only a mirage. It was something that was not able to be grasped a hold of. It was something that was a proverbial ghost that was in front of you that you never, ever, ever could fully grasp. See, Jesus opened the door. This verse, so beautiful. Listen to verses 9 and 10 again. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for who? All people. All people. Leads the second thing I want to share with you this morning, and it's this. The angels proclaimed that the doorway of great joy had come. This was the first time in human history, besides the Garden of Eden, that the coming promise of the Messiah was being revealed, but also, first time, that true joy was going to be able to be experienced by humans besides the garden. You ever thought of that? 
Have you ever thought, honestly, has anybody ever put themselves in the mindset of an Old Testament Christian? If you haven't, do something, help you have, yeah. I've done it. Let me tell you what I think it's done for me. It's enabled me to be so overwhelmingly humbled and thankful at the time in history that I was born. I'm a person that wants to do what I'm supposed to do. If, if, if I have a set of things, I want to do it, and I want to be effective in it. I, I, I don't, if I have 50 things, I, I'm not one of those people that can do 10 of them and then go, oh, well, you know, the rest of them just have to go. No, I've got like that hunting dog type of mindset. Let's get it done. Let's finish it to my detriment. I can't imagine being under the law. I can't imagine, ready, the worry, the fear. Think about Job. That's not even mentioning an incident like Job would have. What, what would you have done? My first thing had been, what have I done? I've got to have sin in my life. I forgot something, and then you do this overwhelming mental exercise and figuring out what you've done that brought the ire of God on you, the judgment of God down on you. See, when I think about the grace of God, I'm humbled. I'm so humbled when I get in a car and drive to church. You've heard me say this over and over again, and it's freezing cold outside, and it's blowing rain. I sit there and I go, God, we have no excuse. God, thank you. God, thank you. When I get home, I don't have to worry from a long day at church that the house is going to be cold because the fire went out. And we have to then warm up the house after putting the horses away and the buggies away and doing all the work that it required, feeding and all of that. We're able to get in your car and turn the heat on and ride. Listen, I'm not even going to say in comfort. We are able to ride in absolute luxury I don't care if you're riding one of those, what they call bombs, of a car. We can get in, turn the heat on, and in freezing cold weather, we can turn the windshield wipers on and drive down the road at 50 and 60 miles an hour. Church, we are so blessed. So blessed. But what I do, though, is I focus and, and reflect at times on those things because I want to have a great appreciation for what Christ is and by God's grace never become apathetic, indifferent, or begin to curse my blessings. What do I say about that? You know, Lord, if our house floors were finished, you know, Lord, that, that would be, if our this and our that, you know what I'm talking about. God, I'm so tired of this happening or that. Last night, well, that storm was pretty bad. There was three bolts of lightning, four bolts of lightning that struck our property. I was actually standing there at the sliding glass window and watched one of them, and it struck. I, I'm telling you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's within 20 feet of the pump house, if not any closer. And I went, oh, Lord, I hope that didn't strike the pump house. Because if it strikes the pump house, it burns up your pump, 2,500 bucks. The last time it did that, burns the line up. It just does all kind of beautiful things inside your electrical system. And then I'm watching, I'm like, Lord, I hope that wasn't my pump. And pop, another one hits right there too. Somebody would say, knock on wood, no. Don't believe, don't believe in that stuff. 
And then a couple seconds later, it strikes over on the other side. How about in the old days when you didn't even have a well pump in the first place? It was fine. You know what? It didn't hit the pump. But you know what it did once again as my continual thanksgiving for all that God's God, thank you. Thank you that I got to get up this morning and not have to start working on a pump at 5 o'clock or 2 o'clock this morning. God, thank you that you spared us last night. We got six people in Kentucky and in Clarksville that didn't. There's six families that December 9th now has the same meaning it does for us. Something taken from you that you can never get back. We're blessed. But even if it hadn't, see, the joy of the Lord, that's what I'm trying to tell you in the midst of that, is the joy of the Lord transcends. It's not based on circumstance or situation. It's based on the fact of what Jesus is. He always has been. He is and will be in eternity. He paid the price for us. This morning, no matter how hard of a day we're having, no matter how hard of a week we've had, no matter the level of grief that you've experienced in the last year, and maybe in that you weren't as faithful in your Bible reading, or maybe you got mad at God outright, you know that God still loves you more right now than he ever has? No matter what you're facing right now, and see, that's the thing, all of us are a phone call away from having a phone call like we had, or like those people's families are getting today, if not all of them last night. They found out that a family member will never come home again. See, as a, as a believer, there's no loss. As a Christian church, there's no loss. There's grief. There's grief, if anything more, because of selfish motivations. The selfish motivations is this. I'm jealous that they're in the presence of the Lord, and I'm here to continue running that race. See, as Christians, we don't lose anything when someone dies. We only are temporarily separated from them in this temporal sense. We can let it affect our joy, but it shouldn't affect your joy. Maybe it'll bring an emotion of grief and sorrow as you work through that. The more traumatic I understand, the greater the emotional ability you have to work through and things, I understand that. But yet there's one resounding theme. It's that this is not an end. This is only a beginning. And one day, we'll be reunited with those people that have gone on before us. And remember, see, this right here is brokenness and death and heartache and hurt. This is not the new heaven, the new earth. This is everything that represents what is what Scripture says is passing away. But you know what's not passing away? Joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord, Scripture says, is our strength. And that's why my joy unceasing this morning as I think about what that candle represents and I think about the hope that we looked at week one and the peace that we looked at last week. And as we move on and we experience this joy and then we go next week to the love of God and then ultimately the Christ candle because see, these are the ultimate in how that was made possible. This time, 2,500 years ago in history, hopeless, completely hopeless. 
But this morning, there's only hope. Because the hope of God brought us peace with God. See, last week what I was going to talk about is we were objects of God's wrath. There was no peace. There was no ability for us to have peace with God. That is the reason there was the dividing curtain in the Holy of Holies, right? It kept everyone out. God could not dwell with mankind. There was a wall of separation. We had no ability to go into God's presence that had been broken in the garden. I think one of the greatest things in Scripture is when the temple veil was torn in two. They didn't tear it either. God did it. God was showing all mankind, no longer are you prevented from being in my presence. The gateway, the doorway, the eternal high priest has come. Jesus Christ has paid the price. And that's why this morning, if you get a phone call because one of your loved ones was killed in a tornado or shot or whatever it might be, just fill in whatever it is. You and I have the ability to immediately approach the throne of God boldly. If that doesn't give you joy, I'll be honest with you, I have nothing else for you this morning. Amen? That is a source of great joy, the same way that as some of my patients are close to the valley of the shadow of death. Close. But I love the fact of what Scripture says, that I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Shared that with some of them. God is in the midst of it. God is right there right now. You will never be alone. He's a God that never breaks his promise, and he is a God that stands at every place in time, most notably with that statement, well, fear no evil, for thou art with me. What does he bring with him? He brings the hope. He brings the peace that has brought peace to this war with God that sin created. And so awesome because even in the midst of that death, we can have joy. We have joy because the love of God, the eternal, evergreen nature of God, he never dies, he doesn't change, he's eternal. We'll never have to worry one day that God got tired of being God and decided that he's done. Our eternity will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that brings me an amazing amount of peace this morning. So the angels proclaimed that the doorway of great joy had come. That's what the angels were doing. They were shouting to all mankind the doorway. True joy to all mankind had come. And then let's move down here in verse 11. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. The third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Today, the gateway of joy exists. Have you walked through it? I tell everybody, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you're a seven-generation lineage pastor. Have you walked through the doorway of joy, the doorway of hope, the doorway of peace. 
I ask everyone, do what Paul says, examine yourselves to see that you're in the faith. What is religion to you? Most importantly and notably, what is a relationship with Jesus Christ to you? And do you have it? I think the reason that begs to be stated is because Scripture says many will come on that day and say, did we not cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead? He said, I'll tell them plainly, depart from me, I never knew you. I think that's very important to say because, again, having experienced it growing up, I experienced it personally, and that's why it is so important. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? What is God to you this morning? Is he your judge? Or is he your propitiation? Is he your atonement, your payment in Christ? You can know all about it. You can know all about everything spiritual. We can die lost and without hope. This morning, what is the hope of God? What is the peace of God? Is the peace of God merely a thought process that you know about in your mind, in your heart? What is salvation to you? What is Jesus to you? Most importantly, what is Jesus to you? Do you remember that time when you could picture yourself? You don't even have to be a, a person that's able to really be a, a thinker in that respect and able to think big, complicated thought. No, just imagine a massive chasm. Imagine the world being one plateau, right? One, one constant, and then sin broke that. Think about this. And imagine walls that go thousands of miles deep. And imagine at the bottom of that, because it's so deep, it is so dark, and there is a fire down there that worm and moth don't die, huh? right? This is the place we know as hell. It's separation from God. Mankind decided, I don't want fellowship with you when Adam and Eve decided to take part in that tree of knowledge of good and evil. What it did was separated them from God. Think about it. Nothing can bridge that chasm. Nothing. And to me, it really helps when you think of it from that level because we have to recognize before we're able to ask Jesus Christ to save us that we're lost. You have to recognize what that chasm is and what it represents and understand that no amount of good works can ever build a bridge that can span that. Nothing. It is an infinite distance that only one, one, Doorway, gateway, bridge. That's Jesus. And that's why with me, it, it, it resonated so heavily with me when God allowed me to see myself, I saw how broken, how lost, how spiritual I'd been, but how incredibly separated from God that I was. And it wasn't a matter then as it had been with a fear of going to hell was why I had prayed to get saved all those times. That's what had compelled me to do that. What was so different about this time was that I realized that I was lost, that nothing that I could do would bridge that gap between me and God. I realized my hopeless state, my broken state, my lost state, and it brought me to the point of weeping because I realized 
at that moment for the first time in my life, having grown up in church and heard all these messages and all of these services and all of these salvation altar calls, but I never got it like I did that day. And what was so profound is it was so different from what I'd done before because I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. God, I'm going to give you my life. I repent of my sin. Take out what you want to take out. Put in what you want to put in. I'm not going to stop. And I listed the things I was engaged in at that point. I'm not going to stop doing that. You take out what you want to take out, and you put in what you want to put in. And if you're the God that I believe you are, not the God of rules, but of relationship, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And again, that was the day that I was on duty that day, so I hadn't drank that day, but I woke up the next day, and by 5 o'clock, I remember I hadn't drank. And I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't choosing not to. But I remember going, oh, I haven't done that. Well, I'll wait tomorrow. If I want to do that, I'll do it tomorrow. Did the same thing about 5 o'clock that next day. But what I didn't realize, church, this is what happened. The Holy Spirit of God had come to dwell within me. I didn't realize what was driving me to engage in the behaviors and live like I was living, what it was was emptiness. It was hopelessness. And what happened was the hope of God came that day. The peace of God brought peace with the Father. You know what happened when that peace came? Not only was it joy, but I then was able to start realizing over time that that thing that had driven me to seek out all these other things was the hopelessness because I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I could still quote Colossians chapter 3, word for word. You mean to tell me you could quote all those verses and you're lost? I was lost as lost. Church, the difference that day was it went from head knowledge and God changed my heart. And that's what I ask you this morning. Think about those shepherds in the field and those angels coming. Think about Jesus proclaiming joy to you. Tidings of great joy to who all? I love it. I just love what it says right there. Great joy that will be for all people. But this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whether you're in this building or watching online, there's not great joy for you. Because right now you're lost and without hope. But I want to tell you something. There is great hope this morning because the hope is in the fact that you are still breathing. You still have a pulse. And if you recognize the fact of what I talked about earlier and you are able by the Holy Spirit of God to see that great separation and that great chasm that sin created, you've met all the prerequisites to placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin, and today beginning a life that you can never understand or imagine that God has in store for you. You know what God wants to do? God wants to change your life. Not only does God want to change your life, he, want to change, he wants to change your family's life. Do you know that if you're a man or a woman in this building this morning and you give your life to Jesus Christ or you're watching online, the likelihood that your children come to faith in Jesus Christ just went up exponentially, went up by multipliers big time. But not only that, do you realize what the implications are for that in the sense of you being able to deal with generational things that your children or your grandchildren might be saddled with? 
I don't care if you believe it or not. Sins the father carried on to the third and fourth generation, but the blessings to a thousand. I know that's true because the Bible says it. And if it wasn't true, you see those two doors right there? I'd hit them faster than any of you combined. That's why I know it's true. And the, the potential you have today, if you're one of those here that listens to the call of God and answers the call of God and comes to faith in Jesus Christ, not only are you going to have an amazing life because you're going to have a life worth living, but you're also going to be able to do amazing things and steps to ensure that your children and your grandchildren and their grandchildren, if the Lord so tarries, has that awesome life. And you're going to be able to claim what the moth and rust is trying to destroy. And as thieves come in and try to break in and steal, see, the enemy's a liar. He's a thief. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal absolutely everything. Who's the only person that can stop that from happening? That's you and I. How does that happen? By listening to the call of God, by living a life of obedience submitted to his plan, his purpose, and desire for our life. And out of that is the wellspring of all that we've been talking about. But it starts and ends this morning all with one, and that's Jesus Christ. And my question to you in closing is, what is he to you? What is Jesus to you? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for the rich treasure of your word. Father, as God, these shepherds out in the field, Lord, hearing the glorious joy that Christ Jesus had come. Father, what a blessing for us to read that. Could not even imagine what it was, the fully understanding whether they were or not, Lord, of what was happening. God, the truth was that Jesus Christ had come. Father, I pray, Lord, this morning for all of us, whether it's in this building or watching online, are not captivated by religion, Lord, but captivated by a life-transforming work of salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the season that we're able to celebrate the coming, the advent of Jesus and all that it means. I pray, Lord, that we will not only be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves, but we'll be doers also. During this invitation, Lord, if there's one here, or many, either in this building or watching online that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today will not close, Lord, before they confess their sin, place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and experience what it be, is to become a follower of Christ, a Christian. Lord, thank you, God, for the privileges, the plans, the purposes you have for us. I pray that we will be busy about your work, your business, Lord, knowing that the days are short. Father, let us live every day like it's our last day with keeping our eyes focused on you, looking to the east. You are our author, perfecter. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.